Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined on this week's show by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On this week's show, we're going to be looking ahead to Cork's Crunch All-Ireland Qualifier with Louth at Park Aquive this Saturday afternoon. And in a few moments, we'll be joined by 2010 All-Ireland winner Paddy Kelly. Before that though, Kieran, there are a few things I want to ask you about and I think we need to start with Glengariff's Dara McElhenney breaking a 44-year-old Irish under-23 5,000 metre record at the weekend and it wasn't just any record, it was a record held by the great John Tracy. Kieran, this young man just continues to deliver on his promise, doesn't he? Uh, it's absolutely incredible what Dara is continuing to achieve. And he's just turned 21 since last November. And we've been writing about him in the star since he was in his early teens. We go back to 2016 when he actually went out to the Rio Olympics as a as a training partner for Arthur Lennigan O'Keefe, um, the modern um, pentathlete. And that's when Dara was just 15 or 16. So his potential was spotted for years and years. But like you said, again at the weekend, Dara McElhinney is in the headlines like to smash a 44-year-old national record. That was that under-23, 5,000-metre record. But he, he smashed it in style too, Jack. He took almost nine seconds or over nine seconds off John Tracy's record, which was set in 1978. It's just a, an incredible run. But I think what it shows too is that Dara, and like he tells us when he's on the, on the podcast, he's he's still getting better. He, he's, he's maturing all the time. He's developing as an athlete. He's physically getting fitter, stronger, um, that step up to senior level. He's taken it in his stride and he's now finding his feet at senior level. But I was just looking back through the through the star notes um, earlier this week after I heard that Dara broke this record. And it's it's not the first time that Dara has broken a John Tracy record. Back in early 2017, when he was what then four years ago, he was 17, he, um, he beat John Tracy's Irish outdoor U3000 metre record that, that had been set in 1974. So when you consider what John Tracy went on to do over the years and a, a young Darren McElhinney 
is now continually breaking his records. It's just like he, he's trending upwards and he's um, the, the best really is yet to come. And, and I just want to add to Jack, John Walsh, he's the Southern Star um, athletics correspondent. He does great stuff for us and that, but he also supplies content to the Running in Cork blog. And he made me aware of the one of his posts this week that Dara now is seventh in the all-time Irish men's 5,000-meter list. But he noted that the average age of the six runners ahead of Dara was 27. They were 27 when they achieved their fastest times. Dara's just 21. So that just shows you where he is right now, where he's going. Like, he's timed the last day, puts him ahead of Eamon Coughlin, Marcus Sullivan, Ray Flynn um, in the 5,000 metres. So it's just a... Another another landmark moment for Dara, but there's been so many of them, so many of them over the last number of years. And he's a big summer ahead of him too. The Irish Outdoor Championships are on at the end of June and he's targeting two the European Senior Athletics Championships there in Munich. I think it's August. And his time in Belgium last weekend is a qualifying time for that. So he should get selected for that as well. So we're going to be hearing a lot more about Dara in the weeks and months ahead. And just for those listeners who may not be aware of John Tracy, although I'm sure there aren't many. He was a silver medalist at the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles for the marathon, and he won two world cross-country gold medals as well. So that's the kind of caliber of athlete that Dara is now surpassing, as Kieran said, at the age of just 21. So what's he going to go on to achieve by the time he's 26, 7 and 8. So this is an uh, athlete we really love following and we're looking forward to following across this summer. But Kieran, okay, you want to jump in there? Yeah, we had um, Darren McElhinney, obviously, with the Westcock Sports Star Awards. He's now picked up two monthly awards. And at the most recent presentation, when I was chatting about him, I said it's not beyond the realms of possibility to suggest that Darren could, by the end of his career, have accumulated more Westcock Sports Star monthly awards than anyone because... He's 21 now, and he's and he's two awards already. Paul O'Donovan is on top with seven. I think Phil Healy has six, but they're what 27, 28 now. There is 21, and it's so exciting what's ahead of him because he's very much at the start of his journey still in terms of his senior career, and he's putting in these times. So I'm fierce excited to see what Dara will do over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to switch our attention now to Gaelic football and the Cork senior footballers who are in action in the All-Ireland qualifiers this Saturday afternoon against Mickey Hart's Louth. And as I mentioned, we're going to speak to 2010 All-Ireland winner Paddy Kelly in a moment. But Kieran, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some news lines around the Cork footballers for the la- from the last few weeks because we haven't spoken. And the first one is Parker Cueve. This Saturday's game is in Parky Cueve as opposed to Parky Rin, which hosted the Munster semi-final loss to Kerry. We spoke ad nauseum about the reasons that game was moved from Parky Cueve to Parky Rin. But in your opinion, was there any merit in staying in Parky Rin for the Cork footballers, especially for a game of this nature where there's unlikely to be a massive crowd in attendance in Parky Cueve. Whereas if the game was hosted in Parky Rin, you could be talking a sellout and it would have been a magnificent occasion. Uh, good weather, Saturday afternoon, championship encounter between two sides unlikely to win the All-Ireland Championship, let's be frank, but teams who both fancy themselves to have a bit of a run. So 
this could have been a great occasion in Parky Arena. I'm not saying it won't be in Parky Cueve, but I just want to get your own thoughts on that because it's been a subject of debate for the last number of weeks. So, yeah, do you think they should have stuck with Parky Arena or did they have no choice and they just need to get Parky Cueve back up and running? I totally understand why this game is in Parky Cueve. It's like Cork Showpiece Stadium. They spent those millions and millions and millions and millions to make it the stadium that it is, and it is a, a great venue. But like you said, it's not going to be full on Saturday when Loud come to town. It's not going to be half full. I doubt it'll be quarter full. Um, just so on that point, Garrett, I was on the the, the ticket portal um, the other day just to have a look. And there's only one stand open uh, available for tickets to be purchased. So that just tells you all you need to know. Exactly. If you go through the National League games, even this year, the National Football League games that, that Cork played in, in Parky Cueve, the crowds are paltry there. Like I'm hoping that there will be more there on Saturday because the Cork footballers are coming off the back of a of a more encouraging performance a, against Kerry. But I totally understand why it is in Parky Cueve as Cork's number one stadium. But if it was in Parky Ring, it goes back to what we said before the game against Kerry. You'd have a better atmosphere there. You know, could you, you'd have the fans are closer to the closer to the pitch. You'd have more noise there. It'd be a better occasion for the fans but it, it is in Parky Cueve and I suppose that's important too for the Cork footballers because it is their home stadium and they want to play there as much as they can and ideally they want to turn Parky Cueve into a fortress at some point but to do that they need to start winning games and they really need to beat loud there um, so I can say I, I, see, I see the merit in your argument about Parky Ring but like I said um, it, it's Parky Cueve but I think it all comes down now to the to the Cork performance and the result on Saturday. Before we move away from attendances, because it is something that really gets my back up, and it seems to be a very, it's like a GAA thing. Like we watched all the provincial finals around the country last week, and now none of the games were spectacular uh, for footballing reasons, but the colour and atmosphere in Clonus was an amazing spectacle on TV in the build up to the game for the parade, etc. The same for Salt Hill for the Galway Ross Common game. And then you compare that to Croke Park for Dublin and Kildare, where the stadium's probably not even, well, maybe a quarter full. There was probably 30,000 at the game. But as a TV spectacle, it just looks terrible. Like if I was to come in from the outside and I was in a bar in Dublin on my holidays from the UK or from wherever, and this was the main sporting event of the day that everyone was gathered around the television watching, I would think this is Mickey Mouse kind of stuff but it was Dublin the recently disposed six in a row champions against and it's going to be I know the court game isn't live on television but in a Joe less than quarter full Parky Cleave it just seems mind-boggling to me 100% but if you go back to that that Kerry Cork game a couple weeks ago in Parky Ring and all the noise about about oh we'll get 20,000 in Clarny for this game the Parky Ring can't hold the capacity it didn't even sell out Parky Ring that day. Like there was, I think, less than just around eleven thousand, or maybe just under eleven thousand. I can't get the exact figure now. But it looked like it, a big it, occasion. Yeah, it looked like a big occasion. But I'm just saying, in terms of attendance, like even that Kerry Cork game didn't sell out Parky Ring. You could see gaps in the crowd. But saying that, though, obviously there was an atmosphere there that day. But look at the Munster final last Saturday, Kerry and Limerick in Killarney. I think fourteen and a half thousand, and on TV the terraces were. The fans were dotted around there. It's just like you said, it's it's not a good look. But I think that comes back to pricing of tickets too. I was talking to some people, it was it 35 or 40 quid for tickets for that Munster football final last weekend, depending on the stand in the terrace, I think. And it was effectively a training game. You know, I think it brings in, again, the provincial championships are dying an awful death. Um, but they're not. They're, the provincial councils aren't helping themselves by hosting. Uh, well, no, that's probably unfair because, Joe, 
Clonus and Salt Hill were full. But what I mean to say is like having these provincial encounters in like half empty stadiums just makes it the just product. doesn't. It, yeah, it just it, it just doesn't look good. But, but it's it's it, it, it's almost the product itself. Like we know Linster and we know Munster at this stage before a ball is kicked in the provincial football championships, the odds are the Doves and Kerry are going to win. Like there's. There's very little interest in in these championships unless we have a we have a freak year like 2020 where Tipperary took advantage of a Cork team that had taken advantage of a Kerry team in the semi final and given what sport does and it throws up those sort of surprises every now and again that's going to happen where the underdog gets its day but that's happened less and less in Munster and Leinster and even the Ulster championship it is fierce competitive. But like even this year, like that dairy story is a good story, but it's probably the story of the championship so far because it's not sparked. You know, we're here now, start of June, and it's you're kind of waiting for this football championship to spark into life, and it probably won't spark till it's the quarterfinals. <sighs> That's just the, the nature of it, I suppose, unfortunately. But let's focus on the qualifiers this weekend and. Kieran, obviously we haven't spoken in a couple of weeks, so I wanted to get your own take on the current state of the Cork team because after that loss to Kerry in the Munster semi-final, which was an 11 or 12 point loss, uh, 12 points I think, in the aftermath there was a fairly decent level of positivity around the Cork camp. They had held Kerry for 55 minutes, they had stayed in the game, they had been competitive and uh, I wanted to get your own thoughts and opinion on that. Did you agree with that positivity or were you a bit more resistant to kind of um shower this cork team with compliments because at the end of the day they were well beaten now that being said this is obviously an exceptional carry team so what can you expect but just what what did you take from that game and how would you view it going into this saturday's clash against loud it definitely was a more encouraging performance from Cork compared to what we'd seen in the earlier stages of the National League. So I get I get why there's positivity off the back of that. And there were certain things that, that Cork did really well that day in, in terms of the team's character and the resilience. Um, they delivered in spades. They, we have to remember too that all, there was almost a siege mentality around the Cork footballers given their parky ring or no stand. So they really had to deliver a performance that day. And in fairness, they did for 50 minutes. I think it was 11 points to 10 after 50 minutes or 50-55 but then Kerry just rode the subs off the bench and they powered home by, won by 12 points in the end so while it was an encouraging performance in so many different aspects the bottom line is that Cork still lost by 12 points they still lost that game so it is a stepping stone as such to build on but it's only you can only build on it if Cork deliver this Saturday if, if Cork lose to Loud this Saturday that that battling performance against Kerry, it counts for absolutely nothing because over the years, we've seen the Cork football teams, they've been so inconsistent. Um, just go back to 2020, Cork beat Kerry in that Munster semi-final. Then they were going into the, the final against Tipperary as favourites. They didn't run up in the day. They flattered to deceive and they lost that game. That's why it's so, so, so important that Cork turn up against Loud this Saturday. And it's even more important that Cork win this game because if Cork lose this game, and our guest Paddy Kelly will allude to it quite soon, if Cork lose this game, all of a sudden the narrative around the season will be very, very um, pessimistic and down because you're looking back in a league where they've barely survived in Division 2. They've only beaten Offaly and Down, who were both relegated. They drew with Clare and they'll have lost the load at home in the qualifiers. So as positive as aspects of that performance against Kerry War, 
Cork need to win. They really need to win against against Loud and they need to step it up. And this group needs to deliver another performance. If they do that, then it's a different story. Then we're talking about a Cork team all of a sudden that, okay, it's growing, still at the very start of its journey, but it's moving in the right direction. But all of a sudden, this game against Loud, given it's a favourable draw at home to a team that was in Division 3 this year, all of a sudden, this game is a lot more important than that Kerry game because this is a game over Cork to be favourites to win and they are favourites to win. So now the expectation is Cork will win and can this team and can this group handle that pressure? Okay, Kieran. Well, let's hear from our guest now. It's 2010 All-Ireland winner, Paddy Kelly. Before we chat about Cork and their huge game against Loud this Saturday, Paddy, I have to ask you, what have you made about the football championship so far Seniors are coming off the back of the, the biggest weekend with four provincial finals last Saturday and Sunday. Are, has it been a good championship? Are we still waiting for the spark into life? What are your own thoughts? Yeah, I suppose it's hard not to think back to the, the Congress vote and think of the, the possibility there was for change back then. Um, obviously, the, the vote for provincial to stay was, um, from my point of view, was disappointing. I think it's past the sell-by date. I think, you know, Kerry of Munster uh, and Iron Grip and Munster pretty much bar that, but that, that year, a couple of years ago, um, the cakewalk monster again this year, uh, dubs the same up in Leinster. So those two were very, very predictable. Um, you know, the Sunday games, the Connacht and the Ulster final were, were decent. The, the goal of victory over sight or over Roscommon was, you know, two good teams. You know, there's just three decent teams in Connacht and um, two of them facing off uh, fairly open attacking football. Um, and that was a, a bit of a contrast to what we saw then after with Derry and uh, Donny Gall. That was more of a um, I don't know, a very defensive, counter-attacking kind of slow game. Not the most riveting watch, but um, I suppose coming from Derry's Derry's pace, it's a an unbelievable Ulster title win, beating beating three big teams, um, first one in over two decades. So it's it's kind of as expected with with Kerry Dublin and, and Galway to an extent. Um, Derry probably bring a bit of freshness to us, and I think Derry and Galway will face off in the semi-finals if they both get through their quarter-finals. So. Both of them are probably thinking, depending on how the draw goes, they, they have a right chance of, of uh, possibly making all Ireland final. Just on those provincials for a second, and you made a good point there about, I suppose, the GA missed the chance for change. When you think about Saturday and, and Kerry Hammer and Limerick and what Dublin did to Kildare, like, they were, they were two mismatches, and those games didn't spark at all. And you think about that Munster final in Clarny, 14,000 there, and it was effectively a training game. You know, kind of, it's, it's very hard to sell the provincial championships when you have games like that. Yeah, and, and you think back, it was Kerry voted. Kerry voted um, with keeping the provincials, didn't they? So that was a, quite a strange one for. I would imagine if you asked any Kerry player, I think they would rather change things up a bit because it's gone, it's gone too stale for them, and it's of little benefit. Now the only thing is, we've said this about Kerry plenty of times before that they, you know, they weren't tested in Munster and they had gone on and produced a good set at All Ireland stage, but Kerry are pushing on nearly a decade without All Ireland. So, uh, like I watched all that game on Saturday, the Kerry and um, Limerick game, and it was. Um, it was just so predictable. Um, and Kerry, I think the way they're playing this year, I thought the same against Cork. They're they're quite defensive, so they were never going to be caught. They were never going to allow Limerick too many scores. And I think they just just strangled Limerick. And, and you could see it just gradually, uh, the gap just increasing. And um, like it ended up being a, a huge margin. But look, that's the team at the top of Division 1 playing a team um, just promoted out of Division 3. Um, you know, the Limerick season isn't defined by, by that. I think to get that far was another success for them. They'll be watching the draw now next week, um, you know, to hopefully uh, avoid one of the, the, the bigger ones. But um, yeah, look, I just find it, even watching the Ulster game, look, it was it was 
intriguing in terms of it was close and it was um, two very decent teams but just in terms of watch like when you're coming from a like how we grew up watching football and stuff it's just so different to to what we love the pace of the game the the lack of any pressure around the middle or, or even go to defence it's just everyone just retreats back to their 45 and take them there it's um, but look you, where Derry came from and what Rory Gallagher is doing is, is outstanding but you'd probably have expected more from Donny Gall but uh, yeah look Provincials just to me just don't there, there hasn't been too many games of note. Ulster's probably quite a few. Galway beating Mayo and Galway beating Roscommon are two decent ones, but other than that, in terms of the actual competitors, there's been nothing of, of note really yet. And uh, I think you know this weekend, now these games are already going to spark things. I think into life. Considering how football has evolved over the last couple of years, would you like to play into county football now? No, no. Um, not as a not as a forward, and geez, as a as a full forward, I think even watching the last day, like for Cork, uh, you know, Stephen Sherlock, Colin Manny, Brian Hurley, like the work they have to do um, off the ball. There was you know tracking back and back into forty five, and then to have the energy to get back up and to to be able to, to have the fitness to, to still make those runs. Like you look, it's it's in club football as well. We, look, we played Aero a few weeks ago, and it turned into one of those games similar to us to final where it was it was pretty much blanket defence on both sides, and it's. It's not very enjoyable to watch. It's it's going back to like a training session where you're talking about width and depth and patience and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, look in the, the modern day, if you're if you're young and you're fit and you're playing around the middle age, it's not a bad not a, not a bad game, I think. But um, just the better teams, probably you know you have to have the ability to to get back in numbers, obviously, but also to carry a trek going forward under counter attack in terms of speed and having finishes up top. I think that's maybe the difference. With the top teams, they they can marry the, the kind of both styles a bit better than, let's say, Cork. I found the last day against Kerry were able to defence apart very very well, got numbers back and, and stifled Kerry to a large extent. But just the, on the other side, then you're 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 um, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in that you you don't have the numbers up and you're so wrecked from the amount of work you have to do in terms mm-hmm. of getting back that you probably don't have the energy to to be cutting up front. So that's kind of that'd be interesting to see how Cork evolve from the Kerry game whether whether there's a bit more uh, balance to the thing but uh, yeah look football that's the way it's gone the last 10 years I thought it kind of drifted away from it a bit but I think we're kind of we seem to have dipped back into that kind of system again When you're looking at, at Cork now headed a game against Loud this Saturday in Parky Quiver thinking back to it'll be four weeks this Saturday when Cork lost to Kerry yeah, 23 points to 11 in Parky Ring in that Munster semi-final and Cork had a front row seat to a proper tier one team in Kerry a, a team that's that's competing for the All-Ireland. But Cork were only down one point after 50 minutes. It was 11 points to 10. And in Parky Ring that night, kind of, I suppose, a lot of people were surprised that Cork were that close before Kerry pulled away in the end. But there was there were some big positives that Cork can take from that performance. What do you think they would have been most pleased with, Paddy? Yeah, I, I think the structure was brilliant. I think, like, having, I saw, it was at all the home league games, I watched a couple of the away games on TV, and, like, early on in the league, Cork were poor, so, like, they were they were so easy to get through, and, and they conceded big scores. I think in the last two league games, you definitely saw a change mm-hmm. um, intact, and I thought against the Kerry, I think they went even further again with Sean Powder, who we didn't expect to start playing at 11, but, but operating as a full-time sweeper right back in the, in the full-back line. I thought that worked brilliantly, um, he was able to quieten between himself, Flav and Shanley and um, the rest, and they were able to quieten uh, Clifford and, and and the rest of the full forward line um, very very well. So, like the structure was excellent. I thought they got numbers back very well. They were fairly disciplined, as you said. Like after fifty minutes, we'd have been delighted. Point down, it was a very competitive game. 
the fear was that the game could have gone a lot earlier. Like Kerry got a couple of scores or, or a goal, and um, it could have got it could have got ugly. But to be fair, they they kept that it kept it tight for as long as they could. But again, I just think the the difference in, in conditioning, the difference in in experience and, and, and squad definitely told in the last twenty. Um, Kerry got stronger while Cork faded. Look, the keeper thing was a huge issue for Cork. Um, like Chris Kelly was out injured, and we all then we all getting injured in the first half and, and calling in Dylan Foley, who hasn't played a huge amount, was was unfair on the on the young lad. And, and I think Cork really suffered as a result. But uh, Cork took a lot of a lot of positives. Like Callaghan, he kicked a couple of scores. Sherlock was very good, I thought. Um, so they have scores. They have and like Brian Hardy probably does a bit more donkey work than you'd like him to be having to do, but. They have two or three good scores. Um, with Ian Maguire, like was was carrying his hand there very clearly in the second half. Sean Powder had much played, so both of those lads have have a bit more extra time, um, and a couple more. Maybe Kieran Hanlon might come back into it. So I think Cork would be in a better place. They'd probably go very very similar. Um, big decision probably as to whether Sean Powder is is picking the backs and just kind of plays the extra man if load off if load give him that. Or whether he's man marking um, loads danger man Mulroy, or or whether he he goes at eleven and comes back in as a full time sweeper, so that's the kind of interesting part things from a Cork point of view. The great thing is, I think, as opposed to previous years, we'll be going with probably a very similar team. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, I think losing the Kerry, there was four or five changes, and you know you're starting from scratch again. I I can't imagine we'll see more than a couple of outfield changes. Um Michal, it's probably out so Chris Chris Kelly will come and go, but that's that's no that's no issue. Um you might have one or two changes out the field. Flav Kevin Flav obviously is injured. So um but changes will be kept a minimum and I'd say they're 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 fairly settled in their in their structure now since the carry game. Given the turnover of players at Cork have had, not just this season, but the last couple of years, to be heading into a game like this, an important game against Loud, like you said, maybe knowing 13 of the 15 players that are going to start, like that's a good place for this Cork football team to be, considering where they were even four or five months ago. Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, before the Kerry game, obviously since the league game, there was a bit of a gap and they obviously work on that structure, that defensive structure. Um, that's probably the easiest thing in football to do is, is to get lads to work back and to get in position and to be disciplined and tackling and all that. You know, it's the flip side of that. The knock-on effect is that they didn't have the numbers up top. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, playing at that intensity against Kerry, they didn't have the energy to keep that going for 70 minutes. Um, I thought their kickouts um, on both sides, they put no pressure on Kerry's kickout because they didn't have the numbers up. Um, and on their own kickout, Kerry put on a massive squeeze on them, forced them along into into contests where Kerry had the, the numerical and probably physical advantage. So you'd, you'd now be hoping that those few things have been improved on since the Kerry game. Um, you know, four full weeks with a squad, with, um, you can do a huge amount of work on that. So they're the kind of things you'd be looking for. And again, against a team who are nowhere near as good as Kerry, um, like let's not let's not beat on the bush. This is the this is the best draw we could have got at home to Loud. I think if we played Loud, Clare or Mead at home, we'd have been very, very happy with that draw even any of them away as opposed to the other four big teams from Division 1. So, um, like, Cork couldn't have asked for more, uh, any better at home against the team. Now, look, I know I haven't seen them this year. They obviously beat Limerick in the, in the league final. They, they had one win in Leinster for getting hammered by Kildare. Um, they're on the way up, obviously, with two, two promotions back-to-back. But, um, like, Cork, you'd hope at home have a right chance. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's any more than a 60-40 for Cork. Um, but still, it's, it's great to be confident and positive that we've if we perform we've a right good chance of advancing 
And how important is it that Cork back up that first 50-minute performance against Kerry and come in with another strong performance? Like, the worst thing that could happen now is if Cork don't turn up on Saturday. Like, they, there's a chance here, like we said there, it's against Loud, it's a good draw, it's at home in Parky Cueve. The opportunity is there for Cork to kick on now and kind of develop progress. But I'm thinking back even a couple of years ago, after Kerry lost to Cork in that Munster semi-final, we are all thinking Cork would be tip in the Munster final in Parky Cueve, and we saw what happened there. So you were just hoping that Cork won't fall into the same trap again. Would you be pretty confident that, that this Cork team has what it takes to, to just deliver a performance when the pressure is on them as well? But now? Uh, well, look, it's, it's, it's a huge game because like Cork loses this game and all of a sudden you look back on the season and say you barely survived in Division 2 you know, with a last, mm-hmm. uh, last day victory against uh, Offaly. Um, and, and beaten by Kerry by 12 points, albeit, you know, you, you can take a lot of positives from the first 15 minutes. We still lost to Kerry by 12 points, which, you know, is is, is an unfortunate reality where we're at at the moment. Um, you know, if you lose to Lowe at home, go in the first round of qualifiers, you're not going to look back on the season as being particularly uh, impressive. You'll have beaten just awfully and down and and drawn maybe with Kerry at home. You know, mm-hmm. that's not a, a hectic record. So, like, there's a huge amount right in this, on this season. Like, no one's expecting Cork to go and win the All-Ireland. But, you know, what you want Cork to do is to, to go out to a team that's better than them. Um, and on paper, you wouldn't be thinking louder better than Cork at home. And like when you see when you see what's waiting from the provincial losers, you're kind of saying, geez, if we if we get a victory against Loud on the back of a, a decent performance against Kerry, you know, if you got Limerick there in a, in a neutral venue or even if you got, I wouldn't be fearing Kildare after, after what the dubs did to them. Um, now Cork would go in as underdogs against Kildare and Ross Common and Danny Gall the same but still I wouldn't fear in those three teams I think Cork would have a, a decent chance against them if if they're off the back of a, a win against Loud so it's absolutely crucial it's a massive massive game as you said two years ago beating Kerry and then and then not backing up against Tip was was a huge uh, opportunity lost for this group um, they're lucky it's a, it's a very it's a very young group there's a lot they, they really went with with youth this year, uh, you know, a bunch of lads kind of left or, or were left off or whatever. Um, they need they need a victory here on 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 Saturday to, to make sure the season is, you know, it's not necessarily a success if you win against Loud on Saturday, but still, it's it's just it's probably what what you'd expect from them, and you're into bonus surgery then I think after that. What we need on Saturday too is Cork's big players to stand up. And in fairness, look back against Kerry, the likes of Emaguire, even though he was carrying that hand injury, put in a good shift. But that man, Sean Potter, what a phenomenal player he is, Petty. Yeah, he's exceptional. I think his, his versatility is, is unbelievable because the next day you could see him in any number of roles. Um, like he could go back and be the man marker in cornerback. Um, he could be the sweeper. Um, he could just be the centre back or the half, the wing back. Um, or he could be the centre forward staying up high. Like he could do any one of those roles and he'd, he'd be the best player Cork have in those, in those positions. Um, you know, he was a big loss last year. He went off injured with a bang. And again, he'd so little football. I think he's trained since then pretty pretty well. Uh, Maguire, the same. Maguire, like the energy and the aggression and the just honesty that he gets, that he brings to the team is, is savage. Um, and again, in second half, like he was going short for kickouts because you could see his hand his hand was was injured obviously before going to the game, and he got a he got a bad belt in a, in a loose ball early in the second half, I think it was, and he was he was carrying carrying that hand, um, and he's so critical to Cork. He wins so much dirty ball, and just sets the tempo in terms of energy and stuff. So, look, if, we, if the two of them fit, um, you'd hope that they'd bring a bit of energy, a bit of a bit of speed, a bit of cutting. Um, like uh, I think the 
the difficulties that we call because the balance, mm-hmm. you know, they will will they go and, and be kind of similar to Jerry and Donegal at the weekend and, and be very defensive, or will they find a better balance? Will they go with another attacker up there? Will they bring Kino Hanlon or Brian Hayes in as a as an extra kickout option in the half forward line? Um, you know, will they sacrifice Brian Hurley for a, for one of them or for another working half forward? And just bring Brian on later because they might they might be going for that that defensive game. I don't know how loud will set up. You know, you'd expect away from home after a bit of a drubbing against Kildare, they might then might be fairly cautious. So Cork might might start the game with that intention of just making you know getting getting lads with legs on and then and then bringing maybe the likes of Brian early on later on in the game when it when it's there to be won. But look, it's. It's kind of one or two changes. Uh, Kevin Flav will obviously be out. That's enforced, but I, I can't see any more than one other outfield change. To be honest with you, um, the defense is fairly set. Other than that, I think they were impressive. Colin McCallan has been excellent with um, Ian McGuire midfield. So, uh, like you'd be hopeful, you'd be very, very hopeful that we can put in a performance. And and at home, I think I'd be confident we get the result. Final question. So, and it's almost prediction time. In in this Thursday, Southern Star, Holly O'Sullivan has says this Cork group needs a championship win and they won't get a better opportunity than this. So, what's your prediction for Saturday, Paddy? Uh, look, you're you're kind of predicting blind because I'm not going to lie and say I've seen much of Loud. So mm-hmm. you're you're going on on league position. You're going on, on on how they fared against a team like Kildare. Um, and I have, look, I've seen loads, loads of Cork. Um, I think Chris Kelly coming back into goal will give them an extra dimension in terms of their kickouts. Um, I think, like the, they're they're far better set up this year than any other year. I think uh, coming off the back of a defeat, they're just they're a bit more settled. Um, I wouldn't hang my hat on them to beat off to beat Load. I don't think there's a huge gap Load after two promotions back to back. If Cork can just get ahead and make sure they're not chasing the game, I do think Cork will win. If it's called, I think Cork will win. Um, that's not not based on on any expertise in terms of seeing, seeing both teams. It would be brilliant if we're in the hat, you know, to face any one of the four we could be facing. All of a sudden, you'd start to to get giddy. I think like if Cork if Cork drew Limerick in the next one, having beat Loud, all of a sudden you're, you're looking there thinking, "Geez, we have a chance of it." An all Ireland quarter final, and that's that would just give a huge boost to the group um, in terms of going again next year. Um, so look, if I was to if I was to call it, I'd say Cork, um, but not with any degree of certainty. But I certainly think we're, we're we'd ex- I'd expect Cork to come through with a few points to spare. Great stuff. Hopefully, we'll get that Cork win on Saturday. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You're very welcome. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about cultivate farm finance so avril maybe just give us a brief introduction to what cultivate farm finance actually is so cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout ireland and west cork has both access credit union and bantry credit union Uh, the loan itself is up to seventy-five thousand unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases like there's a fertilizer crisis now as we know and um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. 
And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Good stuff from Paddy there and Kieran. before we preview this week's paper I want to briefly just ask you for your prediction for Saturday's game with Loud because you mentioned earlier in the show that it is a favourable draw and Cork are at home but it's no walk in the park like if you look at the form of this Loud team over the last two seasons since Mickey Hart took over the helm they've had back-to-back promotions and they're going to be in Division 2 with Cork next year so they've been in the doldrums for a number of years but they're on the rise and they will see this game against Cork as a massive chance to lay down a marker for where they've got to under the legendary ex-Tyrone manager This certainly isn't a gimme by any stretch of the imagination and I was talking to stand-in Cork manager John Cleary on Tuesday to get his his thoughts on, on the game and even how, how Cork will set up because if you, if you think back to the game against Kerry it was Cork were kind of quite defensive in, in that structure so I was asking him are we likely to see a more offensive Cork line out against um, against Loud on on Saturday? But he was kind of saying it's very easy for us on the outside to say that Cork should go ho and attack Loud because he made the point that Loud are a Mickey Hart team. He goes that Northern style that Loud have have employed right now, and also Cork have struggled against that that style over the years. When Cork come up against Ulster teams more often than not, they just can't get through them. They just can't play well against them. So John Cleary was making that making that point. And he was saying it's going to be a very cagey game. He's expecting a tight, cagey game. It's not going to be a game where two teams are going to try and outscore each other and go toe-to-toe. And also that Cork want to be very careful not to fall three or four points behind. Because if they fall behind and if Cork try and push forward, then now they're the sort of team that will just keep picking Cork off on the break. So it's very important for Cork to actually take the lead on Saturday and hold on to the lead and have the lead going into the second half and actually force Loud to come out. So it's going to be an interesting game in that in that respect. I don't think it's going to be, well, I could be proved wrong here. I don't think it'll be a hugely high-scoring game unless, unless Cork really turn up. But Cork have the forwards. We saw Cahill O'Mahony against Kerry, three good points. Stephen Sherlock has, has found his shooting boots as well. Be interesting on Brian Hurley, as we heard Paddy Kelly, Paddy Kelly talking about earlier. Brian wasn't at his at his best against Kerry Dahl, and there's definitely more to come from him. So Cork have the forwards to to win this game. They also have that full month of training into Sean Potter and Ian Maguire, and that's crucial because they're two talisman of this team. So I think all the signs are pointing towards a Cork win, but I think it could be quite a tight game. But like I said earlier, it's the result that matters here. And if Cork win this game, they're into the next round of the qualifiers, which is on the following weekend. They're going to be up against a beaten provincial finalist. You could get Limerick, you could get Kildare. And all of a sudden, then, you never know. Cork could be looking at an an All-Ireland quarterfinal. But first off, have to beat Loud on Saturday. And I think Cork will. Okay, well, there's Kieran's prediction for the weekend. Cork to beat Loud by a small margin. Now... Kieran, we've spoken about Cork versus Loud. There's plenty, and I mean 
plenty of really good strong coverage of the Cork versus Loud game in this week's Southern Star Sports section, which is of course in shops from Thursday morning, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But Kieran, what else can readers sink their teeth into in this Thursday's Southern Star? There is something for everyone. I'm going to go to road bowling first because we did European bowling championships run in Germany last weekend and there was local success here for Dunmanway's Rachel Kingston and Skibbereen's Dara Dimsey, who both won gold in their respective under-18 um, youths events. On both of those won in the road in road bowling. So brilliant wins for two of them and they both had homecomings in Dunmanway and Skibbereen earlier this week. So we've full coverage of the European Road Bowling Championships and congrats to, to Rachel and Dara, two West Cork teenagers flying the flag for West Cork on the European stage. And also to mention Keith Cronin got his first British Ready Championship win last weekend. He won the Jim Clark Rally in Scotland and not only did he win the rally, but he's also shot up to the top of the leaderboard in the BRC series. So he's leading that right now. And Keith Cronin is, I suppose he's... He, he wants to win a record equaling, equaling fifth British Ready Championship, and he's now in the lead of the series. So that was a superb weekend for Keith Cronin. And just on that, two- just on that, just an, an interesting tidbit, um, an exclusive that Martin Walsh had in the Motorsport page of the Southern Star last week was this was Keith's first race since switching tyres from Hancock to Pirelli. So I don't know much about motorsport, but for him to win such an important race in his first race on his new tyres just shows you how important those little changes are in that sport and read the Southern Star Motorsport section for more insights from the great Martin Walsh for things like that that you just won't find in any other newspaper in Ireland tyres are so so important and like you said it can't be a coincidence all of a sudden Keith Cronin is on Pirelli's and he won it by, by a good few seconds I think 35-36 seconds I think he won by in the end which is some going and I'm not saying I'm a Formula 1 expert by any stretch of the imagination but I've got more more into the game the last couple of years, probably through that Drive to Survive series. And I was watching the Monaco Grand Prix the weekend. The tyres are so important. You know, kind of dif- the difference that tyres make to, to those top-end cars in, in, in those events is incredible. So, yeah, it looks like Keith Cronin and Pirelli could be a winning partnership and long may that continue. So I was also saying we have a two-page special on the Munster Ladies football final that was on last weekend where Cork conquered Kerry in Killarney and Anya Terry O'Sullivan from Barrow was the player of the match and Kinsale's Orla Finn kicked one three. The Carcamogi team also beat Clare quite well in the All-Ireland series last weekend so we've that. We have a lot of other kind of local soccer news as well just on that. Drina Rangers are the Premier Division champions Jack without kicking the ball. Dunmanway Town where the Clonakilty spoiled sports last weekend. Dunman may be Clonakilty 2-1, and that's handed the title to Drina Rangers, who've won it for the 14th time. So Drina Rangers are the kingpins of the Premier Division once more, and we'll have more on that in the weeks ahead. But like I said, there is something for everyone in this week's sports section. So pick it up on Thursday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And that will be in shops and also online. So if you can't make it to your local shop, just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week, hopefully reviewing a Cork victory in the qualifiers Overloud. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever 
you get your podcasts. Slán tamal.